Welcome everyone to this special episode of Kiwi Talks, where I review Zelda Tears of the Kingdom with my good friend Eric Kozlowski, who's worked on Mass Effect Andromeda, Uncharted 3, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, and more. How you doing, my friend? It's good to have you back. Thanks for having me back, man. I'm doing good. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, finished uh, Tears of the Kingdom a couple of nights ago, ready to uh, to get into it. Yeah, yeah. Before we get into it, though, um, this is Zelda tattoo that you have. Where, whereabouts is it? Is it on your arm? Uh, yeah, let's see. Right there. Oh, so, nice. It's the uh, the box art from uh, the OG. Uh, and um, yeah, because I remember when I got my NES, I mean, so when the game came out in what was like 87, it came out in the States, I think. I remember um, the commercial was insane. Like the, the NOA, the Nintendo of America, I don't know how they approved the, the commercial, but for whatever reason, I remember seeing the commercial and it's like, the Legend of Zelda, like a never-ending adventure or something like that. And and I was just like obsessed with anything like swords and sorcery back then. So like it had a profound effect on me. And then like picking up the game and seeing that gold cartridge was like, it just made it all the more special. So that's why I chose that for my Zelda tattoo. And I like the fact that for me, like uh, fandom tattoos, like I like to be a little not obvious you know like no offense to people who have like triforce tattoos and stuff i think those are super cool the the hyrule crest i love all that but like i wanted something where it's like if a zelda fan sees that and recognize it it's like oh okay they they know what's up you know so it's a little <laughs> bit it's a little bit more like subdued uh for me and so like for for my tastes for what i wanted to get tattooed that's that's kind of why i i went with that and uh when i was working on um Tropical Freeze and went to E3 2013, uh, I brought my cartridge of, and I might have told this story before uh, very place, various places, but I brought my original Zelda cartridge that I got when I was a kid and because I, I knew Miyamoto was going to be at E3 promoting Pikmin 3 at the time. And sure enough, he was there and I got him to sign it. And uh, you can't really see it, but it's hanging up behind me and I got it framed with his signature on it. So so yeah, that, that gold cartridge, that emblem, that's like in, an important kind of thing for me. How, um, so when did you get the tattoo? How long ago? Oh man, um, I think it was after I got that, that um, cartridge signed. So that, that would have been like around 2014, maybe 2015, somewhere around there. It's hard to remember when you, when you have both arms well. complete. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when you have both arms covered with tattoos, you start to, to lose to lose track. <laughs> well, you got balls, bro, because don't, doesn't it hurt to get tattoos? Doesn't it hurt? All the I mean, yeah, every tattoo is more about, um, for me, like every tattoo hurts, but it's not about the pain, it's about the time. So like I can withstand a tattoo, if it's like a hour long tattoo, a half an hour tattoo, whatever. But it's when you're sitting in a chair for six, seven hours, that's when the pain really starts. <laughs> you know, I have a full blackout sleeve um, and and that was like seven hours, my entire arm. And by yeah, hour six, seven, you're just like, your whole body is screaming in agony. Um, it's fun. You should get a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're really making me oh, want to get one, dude. <laughs> really, really selling it, right? But yeah, so it's like, yeah. Um, but it's funny, the, the human mind has a really interesting capacity to make you forget pain. Because like, while you're getting it, you're like, why am I doing this to myself? This is intense pain. And then six months later, you're like, all right, I'm ready to get another tattoo. Because your just mind like blocks out that pain. And you know, you're just like, all right, let's do another one. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah. I suppose it's the same with women, right? When they give birth. They're like, oh, yeah, right, I have a right. new one. Yeah, yeah. Right. I have four brothers. So my mom did it five times. Like, and she never, according to her, never did an epidural, never had a pain medication. I'm like, you're insane. But yeah, women are a different breed, man. They're badasses. So. They are. They are. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Tears of the Kingdom, how did you, how did you find it? Because I know you're into more of being funneled into doing specific tasks right if you have to create your own entertainment so to speak you find that a bit more challenging or it's not really your cup of tea yeah you know it's funny because i was thinking a lot about that um and i wonder if it's because you know the whole sandbox kind of mindset of like find your fun for me my job every day is oh about creativity 
and inventing and kind of using my mind in that problem solving creative way. So for me, my entertainment, I don't want it to feel like I'm working, you know? I want to experience a, a story. I want to experience something that's presented to me. And so when playing a game like Breath of the Wild, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, there's a certain level of creative thinking and it's like super fun and like to an extent. Um, and I really enjoy it. And, and one thing that Tears of the Kingdom does brilliantly is it makes you feel really smart when you figure something out, you know? And so I like that to an extent. And, you know, when I say I finished Tears of the Kingdom, what I did was the Golden Path, right? Mm. I, I, there is, I never even went to the Lost Woods. I never even talked to the Deku Tree. Um, there is oh, so what? much in that game. Yeah, there's so much in that game that I never did. I, there's a ton of the depths that I never explored because, I don't know, it's like almost overwhelming. Like it's, it's like too much. Um, and I get like really kind of overwhelmed where I'm like, ah, I, I just like shut down. Like I can't, I can't do this, you know? So it's weird. It's weird. Like I, I recognize the brilliance and the just core kind of um, genius of the systems all interlocking and allowing you to kind of find these clever solutions to gameplay. But sometimes it's almost too much where I just want a guided path through the game. Um, mm. And I understand that's not for everyone, you know? Um, you know, my favorite Zelda game of all time is Link to the Past. And to me, that is a infinitely replayable game because it's such a, you know, everything feels like finely tuned. You know, everything feels like very kind of like a designer touched every part of that game. Whereas, you know, a lot of Breath of the Wild Tears of the Kingdom is, you know, left to, well, we know these systems work and there's a lot of emergent gameplay that can happen because of it. And there's fun to be found there. But, you know, a lot of that is just like the systems are solid. And so we just let the player then kind of discover and experiment on their own. But there's not a designer who's like designing that exact experience. Um, so, you know, so yeah. You mentioned you didn't go see the Deku Tree. Did you get the Master Sword? Mm -hmm. or, you did. Okay. Okay. Because yeah, there's, the there's multiple, sword, and, 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 there's multiple gonna ways get of getting it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So are we going to get into spoilers? Yeah, we'll get into spoilers, man. Um, yeah, okay. people have had right. enough time to play. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, for me, I got the Master Sword from riding on back of Dragon Zelda and pulling it out of her head. Yeah. So that's how I got the Master Sword. Well, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So but it was a, uh, was it, um, how did you find, did you just randomly find the dragon? Or no, was well, it... I did at one point. I, I saw it flying in the sky and I was like, oh shit, that's, you know, I, I thought it was one of the dragons. But what I did was I did all of the um, uh, memories where you find the glyphs in the oh, ground yes. and, and then yep. you get the backstory. Um, and then it was like, oh, Zelda turns herself into a dragon. And I was like, oh shit, so she has the Master Sword. And then I went and got it there. So by the time I got the final sage, um, Miniru, you know, she's like, oh, you already have the Master Sword. Okay, <laughs> like, we're ready to go. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so, like, that, because, uh, again, like I said, I, I kind of, like, beelined it through the Golden Path, which is, you know, to say that I kind of went to each of the temples, and then I would experiment along the way, you know, I would be like, oh, okay, there's, I did, like, the one town that was overrun by the monsters, the pirates, and I rebuilt that town, Um and there was a couple of like great fairies that I found um, and things there, but I never did anything with the Yiga clan. Um, I never did. Um, yeah, there was like a whole slew of like, I never did the, um, there was like a mayoral election in, in uh, Hanero village. I think it was Hanero village. So it's like, yeah, there's like so much content in the game. My girlfriend was laughing at me when she, she's like, oh, you, you beat Zelda? And I was like, well, yeah, I guess, you know, she, so, but she's completely different. You know, she's the complete opposite where she just like is doing all the side quests and like is not, hasn't even, I think she's been to like one of the temples and, but she's just like straight up, like wants to like explore and get lost and stumble her way into something cool and interesting. So speaking with her about our experiences playing the game, it's vastly different. Um, so, you know, but that's that's the joy. I think that's the brilliance of a game like Tears of the Kingdom is that you could satisfy a lot of different gameplay tastes, you know, where I've played, you know, I, I'm not sure how to check your hours played on Switch, but it, you could, um, 
organize your titles in the amount of time played. Mm. And I've played Tears in the Kingdom more than any other game on my Switch, more than even Breath of the Wild. Um, and so, but yeah, again, like I, I, I don't think I've ever scratched the surface. Um, but at the same time, I do feel like by the time I finally beat Ganondorf, I was like, I feel satisfied with this game. I don't feel like my $70 was wasted. No. I, I don't foresee myself going back to replay it anytime soon. But at the same time, I, I feel like I have had a complete experience, even though there's like loads of content that I, I have yet to discover in it. Yeah, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of hours you could put into that game easily. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, there's so much content in the game. I think because um, there's a bit, of, a bit of an argument online. It's like, how come it took Nintendo so long to make this game? But I'll tell you. <laughs> it's the physics. The physics engine in, in particular, I think, is just crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, that game, running on a Switch, no less, um, the sheer amount of stuff in that game um, you know, people are like, oh, it's the same Hyrule, like, whatever, man. They did all the Sky Islands. They did all the depths. The fact that the the um, Ultra Hand ability works as seamlessly as it does is insane. Like, yeah, like, I'm surprised the game didn't take longer, frankly. You know, forget about six years to make that game. Like, it's insane, uh, the amount of content in that game. And it looks amazing. The art direction, in my opinion, is is among the best of you know in the industry right now um you know i think i i might like the art direction of breath of the wild slightly more just because i like that Jomen influence of the sheikah technology a little bit more than the zonai um the zonai is super cool i love the it's got mayan influences it's aztec influences um but i think i like the 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 zone uh the uh the sheikah um uh you know the 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 Guardian Machines, I, I love that look uh, a bit more. Um, but yeah, gorgeous. I, I love the look of the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are, there, you know, so yeah, I, but like I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little mixed on it. There are like nitpicky elements to it, more of like gameplay stuff. Uh, I don't know, like if you want me to go down my litany yeah, of- Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, uh, we can start, we start. Well, what's, what's, what's the thing that you, you were most annoyed by first? It's not really, doesn't respect your time. So the, I'll give you an example. Um, so one of the great fairies, right? And this is one of the last things I did in the game before I went to fight Ganondorf. I wanted to upgrade my armor. And so I get to the great fairy and it's the one that's in the snowy region. Um, and uh, you get there and she's like, oh, I'm not coming out until I hear the sound of a horn. So I'm like, okay. Got to get a guy to play a musical instrument. So I go to the nearest um, stable and I find the musical troupe. And they're like, you know, our horn player is missing, blah, blah, blah. We just saw him to the south. He was last seen on this bridge and they mark my map. I'm like, okay, cool. Got to go get him there. I go there. I find him. He's trapped in a pit. He fell down. And now I got to figure out how to connect this platform to get his wagon out of the pit. And that's cool. And, you know, you use the ultra hand and you construct a contraption to get him out of the pit. Awesome. I feel really smart about that. And he's like, I'm going to go back to my troop. So I'm like, cool. So now I go back there and they're like, yay, our guy is back. We can get to the great fairy, but our wagon, it's snowing out. We need a, our wagon to be covered so we're safe from the elements. So I'm like, cool, easy. Put a, a piece of wood on top. Great. It's covered. Now they want me to drag them up to the, to the, to the, uh, the great fairy. I'm like, okay. I don't feel like going all the way to the stable, getting my horse, so I create a contraption and drive them there. And I actually felt really smart about the contraption I built to get them there. And But then I get them there, the cutscene plays, the Great Fairy comes out, and the Great Fairy is like, awesome, I'm going to upgrade your armor. Except I don't have enough items to upgrade my armor. So now I got to go and farm for the items to... And at, at this point, I'm just like, this fucking quest has been going on. I'm so frustrated. I just started using the dupe glitch to, to make, because at this point, that's not fun for me to go now and harvest five Moblin guts to to upgrade my my soldier's armor. Like, that's not fun. That's 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 busy work to, to get all these materials to it's upgrade padding. my armor. It's padding. I already did this whole kind of quest line to get this guy out of a pit, bring him, you know, up to the Great Fairy, 
who's involved, that there would have been enough. But now you want me to go farm for this equipment? You know, like that. And then, you know, I know the whole like uh, weapon degradation thing. Like that didn't bother me as much in this one because you can kind of fuse your items together. But there are a lot of things I felt in the game, a lot of quests that I felt like didn't really respect the player's time and felt like busy work. Um, so once I discovered that there was an item dupe glitch, the one where you use the paraglider, I never updated my software. I, I, once I realized they patched that out, I was like, oh, I'm not. Right. I'm, yeah, so, um, so it made the game infinitely more fun for me because I never had to worry about getting more items, you know, and that opened up a lot more of the game for me to be a little bit more daring and experiment, um, experiment more with the gameplay because I was like, okay, I could just attach um, a diamond because now diamonds aren't precious to me and diamonds make your weapons like way stronger or bomb flowers. I have like 200 bomb flowers now so I could just like fire at enemies and stuff like that. So like that to me made the game way more fun because that economy I felt was very broken, um, you know. Um, so that was like a big kind of issue I had was with the item kind of management and like having to find all of these like resources to make the game more accessible to me. Um, I don't know. Did you feel the same way on, on that? Uh, a, a few times, yeah. Or if there was a specific item that I needed and I needed to go find it. There were a couple of times where I ran out of arrows. Mm -hmm. I had to go farm arrows, uh, particularly in the light, lightning temple. Mm -hmm. I was up against the, the boss and then yep. I ran out of arrows and I'm like, oh, well, it's just too hard to beat him without arrows. So then I had to right. go out and try and find a whole bunch of arrows and then come back. And I think it was the same with bomb flowers as well. Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just frustrating because it's like, you know, um, to me, that's not fun. It's not fun when I have to stop what I'm doing to go get more items to re go back and do it. And, you know, it's like the same thing happened when I was getting ready, you know, uh, so I fought Ganondorf and he kicked my ass and I was like, all right, so now, so now I, I got to go and I just made a ton of like food to eat because, you know, he afflicts you with gloom. So I just made a shit ton of meals that like would heal my gloom. And I was like, well, I could just dupe all of the ingredients I need to make these dishes because I just want to fight Ganon. Like, I, I, you know, like the whole managing the gloom and then like making sure I had enough ingredients so I can make these food dishes to... So like to me that that was not a fun element of the game that actively detracted from my fun to to kind of have to manage all of that. Um, so that was probably one of the biggest gripes that I had. The other big gripe and talking about art and I'm sorry if I'm going on tangents. No, but, no that's all right. It's all right. So when Ganon turns into a dragon at the end, why didn't they make the dragon look like a pig? Like it's Ganon. It's it, make him look like a pig. Like they just made him look like a, a kind of like a regular kind of like a you know a serpentine dragon, and I thought that was like a missed opportunity. The other thing, and now I'm getting really into, they never explain what calamity Ganon from Breath of the Wild was. Yeah, there's massive plot holes. I mean, Zelda has massive plot holes anyway. Like the story doesn't right. make any sense, right? But like it doesn't even really tie into Breath of the Wild. There's all these loopholes. No. And it's like, what? There's so many things that don't make sense. Like, it's supposed to be a sequel, but yet it's not really a sequel. Yeah, they don't really address anything with Calamity Ganon. And like in my head canon, I'm like, oh, okay. So if he was stuck under Hy Hyrule Castle being kept by Rauru's hand, did like he infect and like his essence of hatred over the years become Calamity Ganon? And I kind of wish they would have addressed that to tie it in a little bit better. But instead they... They just skirt around that. So like I, I was a bit bummed by by that. I thought there was an opportunity there to to kind of connect it a bit more. Um but you know that gets back to my whole like Zelda timeline thing. Like I feel like the legend of Zelda, every game should be like almost like a campfire retelling of this legend. And so like when someone is telling you a story, they're gonna embellish it and add their own kind of spin on it. And so like I feel like every Zelda game should almost be like a new retelling of this one story through different societies or telling it a different way. Um, almost like a game of telephone. And it's like, forget about having a timeline. You know, it's like each game is a new retelling of this story of, of 
Link, Ganon, and Zelda, and they're just spinning it in a new direction. Um, but that's a little tangential. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I think I think it's a big problem for people that are really very much into the story. Mm-hmm. If one of the things you love about Zelda is the story, then it's it's hard to follow. I mean, I yeah. haven't really paid too much attention. I think the last time was Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time because it had, mm. yeah, you know, there was um, it, they connected, but then ever since then it's become more disjointed. Yeah, and I guess like for me, like I I, I love the Zelda story, but I, I guess I love the lore. I love the 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 idea of Ganon and Ganondorf and Zelda and Link and Hyrule and the 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 three goddesses like all of that lore is really cool and then how it's constructed in the game is like that's like from game to game you know like link to the past was the first zelda game that really started to develop the backstory with like you know the the war and then ganon being sealed and and stuff like that and that was cool because it was just enough there to spark the imagination and it didn't get too crazy with it and then you know later games kind of started to like get a little bit wild with that stuff but i feel like the most successful zelda games are the ones that are nice and kind of compartmentalized and kind of like one and done you know like um you know wind waker i felt like did a pretty good job of like having some backstory stuff with the flooding of hyrule but it didn't require you to know any timeline stuff you know like it did a really good job of of that um and that's what breath of the wild i felt like did really well too you know because it was almost like a reboot of sorts it was like we're divorcing ourselves from this timeline stuff and it's kind of its own standalone thing. So when you do, like you say, like a direct sequel and you're specifically calling out that like the game starts with like Zelda and Link, like going into the depths, like directly following the end of Breath of the Wild, like you should be doing callbacks to that and like at least explaining that, you know? It's like, um, where was, um, I forget the guy's name, but uh, the the bird uh, guardian from Breath of the Wild doesn't like show up oh, in the game Rivali? at all. Rivali, Rivali, yeah, like yeah. where's Rivali? You know, like I don't know. There's a new guy now, you know. So it's like stuff like that. Like, like kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, I was like, oh man. And again, these are like nitpicks when you're looking at a game as is, and I, I think Tears of Kingdom is exceptional. Like, um, but. When your game is that good, I think it, it it you start to you start to look for like, well, where are the faults? And so you know, I don't want people to think that I'm like ragging on it too much, but it's just like um, it's so easy to to to, to um, gush over the game that that you know, it's like yeah, it almost goes without saying. This is game of the year contender here. Um, yeah, for but, sure. But but it's like you know, so uh, I also think it's important when viewing any media is to not just love something unabashedly, but be critical. We should be critical of what we consume and kind of, you know, think about ways that it could be better or why something affects us in a certain way and be critical about it and not just hate on it for the sake of hating on it, but looking at it objectively and saying like, okay, well, this is what I'm not liking about it, but why am I not liking about it? Instead of just saying like, item... you know weapon degradation sucks end of story it's like well weapon degradation i don't like it because it devalues the weapon and then i start to hoard my weapons because i'm worried about them breaking all the time and i stop using my weapons and it's frustrating that i'm in the middle of a fight and a weapon breaks and i don't have a backup so it's like deconstructing it i think adds context to it rather than just outright flat statements saying like it sucks because i don't like it um, so when I, when I criticize something, it's because, um, I'm trying to think about it critically about how this could, for me as a gamer, this experience could be richer and more kind of complete and kind of the last thing you want to, uh, someone who's playing your game to feel is frustrated. Um, I think frustration is like the ultimate kind of a game killer. If you're frustrated about something, you're going to stop playing it. Um, and I think that's what I, I, I hope um, and I don't think anyone ever gets so frustrated with the game's story that they're going to stop playing it. I can't. But but gameplay mechanics, I think, are, you know, if something's so frustrating. I think if the item duplication glitch, if I didn't find out about that, that might have been something that was so frustrating to me that, that I could have easily have seen that being a, a something that made me walk away from the game. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. It, it was that frustrating to me. You mentioned on Twitter about the voice acting, you know, and how oh, yeah. Link needs to, he needs he to needs have a to voice. 
I agree. I, mean, I agree. Well, it's either, so I, funny. I think. I think. What well, I also find it weird is that you know some things, some of the voice acting is there, and then the others just text. I'd rather just have all text, or fully voiced, not right. kind of the in between thing. Well, I mean, a game again, a game is Master Tears of the Kingdom. I can understand while certain, um, I I couldn't imagine them having voice acting for everything. So I, I can see why, like maybe some rando that you see, you know, in a carriage across Hyrule, maybe wouldn't have a voice to line, right? That would that might be like too much, but like, yeah. But I would, I mean, the weird sounds that people make, like, is just. <laughs> I mean, it's borderline not. Borderline offensive, I feel like, especially for all the female characters. I mean, sounds really problematic. Like, I'm not being hypersensitive. Like, I'm a super liberal person, but I was like, yo, this is like, they all sound in various states of ecstasy. Like, it's pretty, like, if I was playing this with, like, family members present, I would be, like, volume down, you know? <laughs> it's pretty... You know, and I've seen tons of like TikToks on it, you know, so I'm not the only one who feels that way. But um, but back to the case of Link, you know, you finish the game and you're reunited with Zelda and she's pouring her heart out to you about being back home. And you're just like, you're like a sociopath, <laughs> just like staring at her. Like, you know, it's like if it was like, it could be an emotional moment where Link is like, your home, you know, and it's like, and he says, you know, it's like, oh my God, you know, like they have this connection, these two, you know, they're, they're communicating through time, through memories to reach each other. And there's this, you know, romantic tension between them. And then Link is just like stone faced, you know, not saying anything. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. if you're, if you're gonna, um, you know, I think the silent protagonist for Link works in a game like Ocarina of Time, where story is not hugely kind of like in the forefront you know it's very kind of surface level um definitely for a game like link to the past where again it's it's 16 bit you know it's more set up than story i think the silent protagonist works for that but the second like you said you start introducing like tons of vo you know ganondorf has has you know uh spoken lines raru you know all of the sages zelda but link doesn't talk like that and like people on Twitter were saying to me, like, oh, like, but it's, I get to project myself onto this character. And I'm like, I don't think that holds water because you're looking at this elfin blonde. Like, I'm not seeing that projection. But to be fair, I felt that way about Half-Life. Like I always thought it was weird that Gordon Freeman didn't talk, you know, and I know some people love that, but I'm like, you, you're giving the character a name. He has a distinct look. He wears glasses. He's got a goatee. So it's not like, Skyrim where I'm making my character like I am the avatar in that game yes it's meant to be a representation of me but when you're giving this character a distinct physical look you know um you know they're they're um male female you know non-binary whatever you want the character to be you're you're creating a character now so once you've created a character that silent protagonist doesn't hold water for me anymore um now, again, if you're creating a character, I think then you can get away with the sound protagonist because you're allowing the player to create what they want their character to look like, you know, what their skin tone is going to be, whether they're going to present themselves as male, female, or, or, or non-binary. Non um, so at that point, I think that holds a little bit more credence than, than a character who you're calling Link. You're giving him a name. You're saying that it's a it's a it's a male character. You know he's blonde. He's elf. Um, he's he's muscular. You know he's not um, thin or you know or super buff or, or or overweight. You know like you're giving him distinct properties of a character. So at that point, why stop at giving him a voice? You know. Yeah. I mean, so that's that's just the way I look at it. Well, even if you kept it to a minimum, the, the mm -hmm. Link's voice to a minimum, like I think of um, Metroid Dread, right? Samus only has one line. Right. She speaks in the entire game, right? And it's what? Like one sentence and that's it. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. all you needed. All you needed. But yeah. just some sort of interaction. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they give Link barks, what we call barks in the game. So grunts, you know, yells, um, things like that. Um, so they're already 
giving him a voice, you know, like it's just one step more to, you know, and I, I guess, you know, for a character Link that's 35 years in the game, you know, like that's, you know, it's people have a headcanon of what he should sound like. So I understand that, but they already did Zelda and they already did Ganondorf now. So, you know, I don't think Link is any less important than those two characters. Um, how did How did you find the voice acting? You know, it's mixed. I thought Ganondorf was pretty good. I, I think Zelda's voice is, is just... Especially it's miscasting. I think it's miscasting. It's, it's and direction overly, by the audio director. Yeah, it's overly dramatic. I get they're going for this very highborn, you know, like princess, but like when when the uh, like the blood moon comes up and then she's like, the blood moon rises and I'm just like, yeah, that's not working for me. But it's not it's not the worst I've ever heard either. You know, it's just kind of like, eh, you know, this is okay. You know, it's just not, it's not great. And it's not terrible. You know, you're talking to someone who, you know, I, the original Resident Evil is one of my favorite games and the voice acting in that is atrocious and I love it. Yeah, I love it for different reasons, but I could tolerate a lot when it comes to VO. I, I was, I was gaming heavily in the, you know, 32-bit era when voice acting first came onto the scene. So I could tolerate some pretty bad VO. So, so well, I think even was... with VO, you can just change the language, can't you? If you don't like English, you can change oh, it to yeah, Japanese yeah, totally. or German mm-hmm. or whatever. So, yep, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. it's not too bad. Yeah. How did you find the um, the lead up to Ganon? You know how you go into the depths and then you you go down the path yeah. and then and then he has like three stages of the fight. That was pretty cool. Um, I liked it better again, Breath of the Wild, like going through Hyrule Castle, like going into the depths. I found the depths to be pretty boring and uninspiring overall they get a bit um, monotonous it gets a bit yeah. monotonous but i do like yeah. that they kept that well they kept it entirely away from the trailers right you didn't yeah. even know yeah. until you played the game yeah, a, yeah so i thought that was pretty cool and it's again it's like a whole new world to explore and there was some cool spots like some of the mines and stuff like that um and i appreciate they put one of the temples down there so they kind of force you to go down there minaru is down there when you get her construct um, but yeah, so again, um, yeah, Ganondorf's fight was pretty cool. I mean, the sword fight was was interesting. Um, I the gloom mechanic, you know, was it was a wrinkle that I I once I had enough food to eat to to mitigate that um, was kind of cool. Um, and then I thought the fight on the back of Zelda uh, as her, in her dragon form, I thought that was pretty interesting and neat. And you know, I had echoes of Shadow of the Colossus, which I'm I'm always anytime I get some Shadow of the Colossus, I'm I'm pretty pretty stoked. You're, so you're down. Yeah. So I mean, I thought that was pretty cool, but um, you know, again, I, there was a little bit too much of an echo of Breath of the Wild there because if you remember Breath of the Wild, you fought Calamity Ganon inside of the throne room, and then you fought Pig Ganon out in Hyrule Field. So this yeah. also had a similar kind of cadence of like you fought Ganondorf in the depths, and then you go out into Hyrule and fight him in his bestial form. So like there was a little bit of that there. And so I was like, okay, you know, like this seems to have a little bit of like design echo from Breath of the Wild. Um, but uh, but yeah, the overall, the the fight as with Dra- Dragon Ganondorf, I thought was cooler uh, than the actual sword fight. Um, so yeah, but, but um, yeah. Did you like the dungeons? It, yeah, I thought they were pretty cool. I liked, um, I liked the... Which one was like my favorite? I think. Um, so there was wind, the water... wind, water, fire, lightning, and spirit. I think. Yeah, the fire one I thought was going to be like when I saw all of the the, the minecart tracks, I was like, oh, this is going to be a nightmare to like remember which track I'm on. But that one was 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 more fun than I thought it was going to be. I really liked the airship one. That was oh, probably one of my favorites. Yeah. The wind one, yeah. And the one with um, the water one was pretty cool. That was the first one I did. Uh, I'm trying to remember the lightning one. I remember the boss fight. Uh, that was that was pretty cool with the giant moth. Uh, um, the lightning one has like the the mirror stuff where you have to reflect light. Oh yeah, it's funny. I must have blew through that one quickly because like I, it's not really. I, I'm having trouble remembering that one. Um, and then the one in the depths with the constructs where you have to get the pieces to recreate, that one was, was okay. Um, it was pretty short-lived. Um, 
because I think at that point you have to um, we have to reconstruct Minoru and then you have to take her to like another spot. So that was kind of cool because it was broken up a bit. It was like they changed the the kind of pace of it a little bit. So um, I think so yeah. one of one of the things I do like about the dungeon is because in the traditional model you've really only got one way of completing mm -hmm. it, right? I, I'm pretty yeah. sure like in the fire temple, I didn't complete it how you're supposed to complete it. Because I think you're supposed to use the tracks of the minecarts, but mm -hmm. I couldn't work that out, so I just climbed up. I ended okay, up climbing yeah. up the floors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. If, so yeah, I I, if, I, if you did something I did similar, and I did the tracks. So yeah, I used the, I figured out the tracks, and and so that's also and that's I think the brilliance of Breath of the Wild: Tears of the Kingdom is the what we call emergent gameplay, where you were hit with a problem, and the systems are so robust that you could use those systems to problem solve in a completely different way than the designer thought. Um, and that I think is really special because um, I did something similar with the water temple where I found my way to get up to the temple without swim using the Zora flippers to swim up the waterfall. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so again, like that stuff is great. Um, um, but yeah. And then, um, so yeah, it's weird. You, it's like, it, it's, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you, you keep going, you keep going. No, it's like interesting because I think when I think about it, like I've played every Zelda game since they came out, since I was seven years old. And so when I think about them as a whole, like, you know, it's hard to divorce nostalgia from it. You know, I think when we when we talked last time, we talked a little bit about Metroid Dread versus Super Metroid and like mm. how I hold Super Metroid as like a, paragon of game design and, and and some people in the comments are like he's crazy dread is amazing and it's like and i feel but i feel that way about link to the past you know um versus you know even breath of the wild um you know but like you were saying you know like there is only one way to beat those dungeons you know it's the way the designers design those dungeons and link to the past like that's how you beat the dungeon and tears of the kingdom has as we've just discussed uh, a myriad of ways so it's like one would argue that that is the better game is the game that gives you all these different options but for me there's there's something i don't know there's something comforting about like playing through a, a rube goldberg machine that's that's tightly designed and all the pieces interlock in a very specific way um so I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer for what is better, but, but I, think, I know I think, what I enjoy more. Yeah, I think you touched on a good point, though, because it re very much feels like the fan base has fractured somewhat into two parts, right? You've got people that prefer the old traditional model, and then there's mm -hmm. people that are more for the more open sandbox model. I mean, based on sales, I can't see Nintendo going back unless they're doing remakes because yeah. it just makes too much sense financially yeah yeah i mean what i what i hope they do is kind of what they're doing with metroid right you have prime which are the 3d games first person and then you have dread which is the side-scrolling traditional style so i would hope that maybe zelda could do something like that because like the 2019 links away Link, links awakening is probably my second favorite zelda game after a link to the past and God, playing that in like its HD glory was amazing. So I would hope that like, man, if they ever remake Link Between Worlds, like, so if they if they give both flavors of Zelda games, uh, um, I I think that would be amazing if if they have the bandwidth to ever do that is to give uh, a more traditional top down Zelda experience and then these big epic sandbox games, you know, every every six years. But in between to give a more traditional Zelda experience. I would be pretty stoked about that. Um, even if it is a remake, I, I, Link's Awakening remake was friggin' awesome. So if that's what they do and they, you know, remake, um, you know, uh, Link Between Worlds or they, they port uh, uh, Majora's Mask and Link uh, Ocarina of Time 3D to, to the Switch, I, I would be more than happy with that. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I think Skyward Sword was definitely the weakest of, of the Zelda games. And so I could see that pivot. And I think Zelda is better for it. Um, I, a game series as old as Zelda is needs this kind of reinvention. And sure, anytime you reinvent something, 
you're going to make some, you know, some segment of the fan base unhappy. Um, I wouldn't say I'm unhappy with the direction. I think it's awesome. I, I, I love, you know, those games. Those games still exist. I can play them anytime I want. Um, but, you know, I also still do have my preferences as well. Um, so, Did you uh, find spending... yourself... Sorry, I was Sorry. just going to ask. No. Uh, did you find yourself honing in on the art a lot more? Be- being an artist yourself, like, were you paying very oh, much yeah. close I mean, attention to the environmental art and even the yeah. character art? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, like I said, I, I adore the, the art direction of both games, Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild. Um, you know, some of the stuff they do, you definitely could see the strain of the hardware, um, most, mostly in a lot of the environment stuff, the natural terrain, um, pop-in trees, things like that. But the direction is so solid. You know, the, the, the design of the characters, their outfits, their clothing, um, the characters themselves look really well done. The, the shaders they're using to do their cell shading, really top quality. Um, and then the overall, you know, look of, like I said, the, the architecture that they've designed for the Zonai is really interesting and cool. Um, you know, the armor sets that they've designed. So like the direction is top notch. It's the execution that is really being held back by the hardware. Um, you know, and, and this is something I, I've said about Twilight Princess. I love the art direction of Twilight Princess. Um, you can't really see. I have uh, yeah, probably up there. You can see I have a Ganondorf statue oh, nice. from from from, from uh, Twilight Princess. It's my favorite. Um, it's my favorite rendition of Ganondorf. Is that that from that that's that um, that game? Because the direction of the Twilight Realm, Minna, um, Zant. Uh, I love the look of all that. But that game was held back by the the Wii and the GameCube. You know, they tried to to make it look realistic and it just didn't if they had stylized Twilight Princess, but used that art direction, I think the game would have looked incredible. So there's a difference between art execution and art direction. And I think the challenge that uh, Tears of the Kingdom has is that the art direction is is rubbing up against the art execution because of the limitations of the hardware. And I think because it's stylized, I think they, they're able to get a lot more mileage and the game still looks incredible. I mean, there's some vistas when you're looking out over like a sky island and the sun is setting and you got this gorgeous golden hour kind of lighting coming through and you're like, yeah, this is incredible. Um, but then sometimes you see like a rock texture that's a little bit blurry because, you know, they're, they're down-resing their texture um, uh, because of memory limitations and, and stuff like that, or the frame rate takes takes a hit because it's just trying to load too much on screen at once. Um, so you know, there's things like that. But overall, like yeah, I I mean, Nintendo's firing on all cylinders with with Zelda. Like it just looks incredible, and it looks even more impressive that it's running on this seven year old, six year old, seven year old hardware. You know, that was underpowered when it shipped in 2017. So like that yeah, alone yeah. is just like amazing. So. Well, I don't think they would have been able to pull it off if they were going for a realistic oh, yeah, there's art no style. There's no way. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would just be a blurry mess. Yeah. And it wouldn't be very yeah. detailed. But, you know, I mean, you you look at what Prime Remastered looks like. And that's, you know, I mean, obviously that's not like God of War, but but they did an amazing job and in, in doing a realistic... And it's, again, I think in our last conversation, we talked about stylized realism. I yeah. think Metroid Prime is a really good example of stylized realism where it's like they're rendering it realistically but they're taking certain liberties with it and i think it looks really really strong because of that um so uh would you want metroid to do the whole breath of the wild thing no under any circumstance no, because they tried to with like federation force right they did a stylized take on, on on that series you know i mean it was chibi but, oh no! I, I don't mean in terms of that. I mean, if like if it was to do like the open world type. Oh, thing. the open world thing, the gameplay. That's tough, man. Um, yeah, I don't know, because like you know, Metroid is all about like that lock and key kind of like um, one ability opens up a new kind of um, a new location that you couldn't get to. And and what Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom do is they give you all those tools up front. You know, it's like you do all the shrines, you get Ultra Hands, you get um, the, the time rewind ability, you get the, the um, ascend ability. 
And then it's like, all right, go use this wherever you want. And the, the thing that Metroid always does is like, okay, I have high jump. Now I can go back to that ledge I couldn't reach two hours ago and I can get up there. So I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a really interesting, um, yeah. You could, I mean, you could have a combination of both maybe somewhat sure, open. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Have, an, have like you, I was thinking like you could have an overworld, which is open, but then like mm -hmm. the depths or the catacombs could be more labyrinth like possibly i don't know yeah i mean you could start the game with samus with her core abilities right she has bombs she has morph balls she has uh missiles super missiles and that then allows you to use you know her abilities in certain ways to unlock paths but then you're getting new abilities so like you said you have a hybrid so there's a mm -hmm. core set of abilities that the designers know that you're going to have at any given point in the game so they could design the game to say we know that if the player gets here in hour one or they get here in hour 100, they're always going to have missiles. They're always going to have bombs. They're always going to have, you know, morph ball. Mm. And so we can make sure that we design that. But then you have specific choke points that's like, okay, you can only get through here if you found the screw attack uh, or the, the, the space jump. Um, and I think it, that hybrid, I could see that working really well. And that could be really cool. So, um, but mark my words, and, and I have no idea about this. I have no insider knowledge, but I really strongly think that Prime 4 is going to be a launch title on, on uh, whatever the next Nintendo hardware is going to be. Cross-gen, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe cross-gen, but I hope not. Because I, I would rather see them harness the full potential of whatever the next system is. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be like a Breath of the Wild, uh, Switch, Wii U kind of situation. At, at at the very basic, yeah. Um, but but I I think um, yeah. At this point, I don't see it because if they didn't announce it in the last direct, and all the rumors are that they're gearing up for a twenty twenty four switch two or whatever it is, I, I can see. And and if that's the case, and if they have that whatever the next switch is more hardware processing power, then maybe they could do a larger experience for Prime Four. Um, we'll see i don't know yeah it makes me wonder with switch 2 how much further they can even push zelda mm, yeah like what what else do you do at this point like take them to i don't know so. man i am i am just glad i am not part of that that team to figure out what that is you know because yeah what do you do you know like i even with T tears of the kingdom never in my i would never have imagined a system the things I'm seeing online that people are building. Like, oh, yeah, it's crazy, right? Insane. Like, I just can't even, I, yeah. I'm a very creative person, and I don't think I could think of these machines that people are making. So, Did you tap into that much? Because I haven't fully tapped into the whole constructing things yet. I was like, oh, now, I'll finish the game, and then I'll come back, and I'll get all creative yeah, with stuff. Again, again like, I think I, 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 that level of creative thinking, I think I just reserve that for my job i need to i need to have all that creative power you know my job i i need to reserve that for for what i'm doing for for project saturn um you know i can't i can't expend that energy on the game too much <laughs> at least that's my excuse of why i'm not being as creative as i could be in that game yeah yeah um it's that sounds good <laughs> yeah fair enough, fair enough i found a couple of times that i forgot about the ascend ability like I'll yeah. be looking at a puzzle and I'm like, how do I figure this out? And then I totally forget that I can just... Like, oh, yeah, I can just go through the ceiling. But yeah, the, yeah. the most frustrating thing was when I did think of it and then I'm like, fuck, I can't reach it, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the one I used the least is probably the, the rewind um, ability. Oh, uh, yeah, rewind, recall. Yeah. 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 There's a couple of puzzles. There are puzzles yeah. in the shrines and stuff, obviously, that are catered yeah. to that. Yeah, and again, I think, you know, the, the brilliance of Tears of the Kingdom is when you do say, oh, I can use that, and then you feel so smart, you know? It's like, yeah, oh, I can just right. That's right. Ride, this, ride this piece of debris up to the sky or, you know. So those moments, whether they're designed or not, like, those feel really good. Um, you know, like I said, like, I, I was griping earlier about that, that – um, situation with the great fairy where i had to get the band members to her in a wagon and i was too lazy to hitch my horse but i was like oh if i put two fans on it and a steering wheel i could just drive it up there and i can that's not even a a very creative construct but i was like my laziness allowed me to <laughs> to construct this device that i could just drive up there instead of going to the 
the stable and getting my horse and then attaching the hitch to the horse and bringing the horse to the people. I was like, no, I'm just going to. So my laziness allowed me to be creative and that felt really cool. And I think that's the strength of the game. So how did you find the UI? Because I found um, change, like when you're fusing things to mm. your arrows, you know, going through the menu and Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you get a lot of items, like the the kind of scrolling through, um, that was kind of um, um, a bit, yeah. But everything else, like the 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 menu of like piecing things together, like that was very intuitive and really well done. The way that you would rotate stuff, and then the, you would see the goo, and like, oh, it's gonna snap here. That I thought was really good. Yeah, the the clunkiness of I I would have liked to have seen categories of like okay, I need to fuse something to my arrows. Here's, you know, food items, here's rock items. And then I could just use like, uh, you know, a directional arrow to switch to the categories rather than scrolling all the way through loads and loads of stuff like that. That was a little cumbersome, but um, for the most part, I felt like they did a pretty good job with the UI and especially like a ton of you know, items that, that um, are, are available to you and, and navigating all that I thought was pretty well well executed so um yeah they did a pretty good job of of navigating all that information pretty pretty clearly do you have one specific moment that stands out for you that was like the highlight of the entire game that you played that's a really good question um i think it was like pretty early on you know when i had that oh oh this is the magic behind the game and i think it was um it was on the Sky Islands when you're first getting started. And I had to get to another island that was like really far away. And I just chopped down a bunch of trees and fused them together and created this gigantic, huge, long ass log bridge and just like walked across it. And I was like, that's brilliant. And again, that's like what I said, it made me feel super smart because I figured out and it's so simple, right? It's just, I just created a bridge. But I just had that moment of like, oh, this is a really powerful system that they've created here. I could do so much with it. So like that to me stood out like right away in the beginning. I, I was like, oh, oh, I get it. This is really smart. Like they're geniuses. Like this is that Nintendo magic that we all talk about, you know. Um, so that I think for me. Was there one for you? Yeah, I think it was the constructing stuff when i was able to build something that i know i wasn't supposed to build mm-hmm. i had a couple of times where i was just stuck on a puzzle and then i'd find a creative way to do it um like oh the construct temple for some reason i was trying to build there's this bit in the construct temple where there's like a there's a bridge with and it's got electricity or lightning all over it mm-hmm. and i was trying to build this contraption to drive over but for whatever reason i'm creatively stupid and i just couldn't get it to work so i got all these zonai you know the they um what are they called the the pivot things that they stand up what are they called that you oh, the, it. oh it's like a, yeah, it's like a yeah. rebalancing thing yeah, yeah 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 so i like i just use like 12 of those and then a board and then use that to, with ultra hand to get the so <laughs> the thing up. Here's, and here's, i was like that is so not how you're supposed to do it but hey i commend you because you know what i you know what i did I looked it up online because I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I, I tried so many times to build something and I was doing it for like 20 minutes and I was just like, it was like late at night and I was just like, left foot construct temple tears of the kingdom. And I was like, oh, I have to build it off centered and then send it. And, and I was like, all right. So yeah. So like, that's cool that you were able to like figure it out. But I, I yeah, at that point I was just like, all right. And I think I toward, that was like towards the end of the game for me. And I think I was starting to get fatigued on this, like I said, that all this creative problem solving that the game throws at you. And I was just like, all right, I, I just want to get to the kind of storyline. I want to see what happens with Ganondorf and the end of this game kind of yeah. thing. So, Cause yeah. I, I do remember messaging you on Twitter and being like, hey man, are you how close to you at the end? And you're like, oh yeah, I'm just about to go to Hyrule Castle. I think I'm right by the end. And I'm yeah. thinking, no, you're not. Yep, yep. <laughs> but I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I was like, oh, there's a whole other temple, a whole other sage. Um, but uh, yeah, and then, you know, I think the only other thing that really sticks out to me is the music. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the music. I, no. I, 
I miss the motifs of previous Zelda games. I think I know that this is like a new direction for Zelda, so I applaud them on, on trying to forge a new direction. But every time they just gave a little taste of that old Zelda music, whether it's Ganon's theme or that the Hyrule Castle theme, I'm like, oh, more of that, please. You know, give me Hyrule Field music, you know? And I know some of that's hidden in there. And again, this is something I was speaking about with my, with my girlfriend. She loves that like quietness of like being in the snow drifts and just hearing like the twinkling in the background. And I'm like, that's weird because I want more music. I want more drama, you know, of like, oh, you know, like, but she's like, you get that. They, they heighten that when you like get to certain spots. And for her, that makes it a little bit more impactful when the music does hit. And it's like, again, I was like, it forced me to rethink my, my kind of initial kind of conceptions of like, oh, okay, you know, like those peaks and valleys of the way they use the music to kind of accentuate certain moments. I'm so used to, you walk outside of Link's house and, bah, 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 you know, you get the music yeah. and it's like always playing. And like, so for me, I kind of want more of that. And so like, it kind of like forced me to rethink that kind of like that, that in knee jerk reaction of like wanting that traditional Zelda experience with the music always playing and always having like the dungeon theme and this is the castle theme and this is the overworld theme rather than using it to heighten and and kind of accentuate moments of like oh i'm fighting enemies so now the music kicks in and now i've beaten them and then the music fades out and then it gets calm and so i'm on the fence on that one now that i i've i've kind of had that conversation and started thinking about it a bit more i'm a bit on the fence for that one so it's yeah. just memorable there's no memorable melodies really yeah like, there's nothing that sticks in your mind like i think of the old school games and they really really focused on melody in the old old school games like in the 16-bit era like even with metroid dread right the music doesn't stand out like super metroid oh yeah but, totally and i think it really enhances like tropical freeze david wise right like his yeah. music is so phenomenal and it just adds so much to the yeah, game, I feel, true. when it's but done. But I also think, I think that there's a reason why Aquatic Ambiance is such a strong track that people want to hear it again. Because I think when you're dealing with the limitations of the, the tech of, of the 16-bit and, and, and 8-bit gener generation of systems, you were limited. So you had to use more kind of iconic sounds. And I think when you have a full kind of orchestra behind you, the music gets more complex, but it's not like, it doesn't get stuck in your head, you know, like where, cause it's not looping as much because you have so much more breath to kind of explore these soundscapes. So I think that's why we don't have these memorable kind of, um, you know, I can recall, and I worked on, I could recall Aquatic Ambience. I can kind of recall Windmill Hills, you know, but when I think about some of the other tracks, like they're amazing. David Wise is a genius, no doubt. But they're not as memorable as like, you know, that, 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 that Donkey Kong theme, you know, like that immediately comes to my head, you know, like, you know, the, 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 um, you know, athletic theme from Super Mario World, like, you know, like that stuff is like so iconic, yet Mario Odyssey I can't really recall any of the music from Odyssey, yeah, you know? I can't remember. And yet instantly I could think of a game from 35 years, you know, 30 years ago, you know, and and uh, and I could instantly in my head call up that sound. I haven't played Super Mario World in like five or six years, you know, but I could still recall that music. Um, so, you know, it's, I think that's just a, a case of the more tools that you have, the more I the less iconic something becomes, you know, it's, it's, you know, the Mario Sprite is so simple. It's two colors, you know, it, it's, or three colors, you know, like, so you could, it's, it becomes iconic. Whereas something that's super well rendered and lit, you know, that's, it's harder for your brain to break that down into something that's just an, that's why it's called an icon because it's instantly, you can identify it super easy. And I think the same is with music. It's, you know, you have a couple of loops, you have a, 30 second loop because that's all the memory could be. So you could have to make it play and it has to sound good for like three minutes because you're going to hear it over and over again. And then it gets caught in your head and becomes this melody, this, this, this sound loop that you could kind of really recall. Whereas if you have, you know, this sweeping orchestral arrangement, 
it's harder to pick out those motifs a bit. At least me, and I'm no musician. So, um, you know, yeah. I did, I did get a little bit of that in Breath of the Wild at the end with Hyrule Castle because I felt that that melody, it loops well, again, a lot. But in Hyrule Castle, they're calling back Link to the Past. They did, they did. Not entirely, but yeah, yeah. I, I get what you mean. But I remember that quite a bit because you're in Hyrule Castle and the loop yeah. keeps playing and it is quite melodic. Um, yeah, but it's, like it's a that, combination of Hyrule Castle and Ganondorf's theme. And, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's like, dun, 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 and it's like, you know, and, and, and so like immediately, like, again, like they're playing with like these motifs that, that I think worked and then they're building on them. And I think for, for Tears of the Kingdom, that's what I wanted a little bit more is like Hyrule Field music, that iconic, you know, like, but what does that sound like expanded and then brought into this new soundscape? I mean, I don't think you could have a loop of like, say, Hyrule Field in something right. like Tears of the Kingdom because it would get annoying if it just played everywhere right. like, while you're running around Hyrule yeah, Field. Yeah, you're right. running around for like 20 <laughs> minutes straight. Like that's going to not... But but like if they had worked it into, you know, if you went out over a precipice and you're looking out and then like they know that this is like a vista point and then they bring that in, you know, and like... You know, you hit a you hit a trigger. You know, you're walking across and you're overlooking a valley. Then they could play it. You know, echoes of that, and then I think that would be an emotional moment. So, um, but yeah, again, like we could go back and forth all day. I think picking apart. I mean, I think the crux of it is I think it's a brilliant game. I think it's totally worthy of all of the hype, all of the success that it has. Um, you know, ultimately, like we said earlier, I think there are two flavors of Zelda. I tend to prefer the the more traditional flavor. But again, I think some of that is just what I grew up playing. Um, and then also the realities of my adult life, you know, of, of having a full plate of, 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 you know, my career and my personal life and then having my entertainment maybe not be as challenging, you know? I know it sounds awful, like, but, you know, sometimes you want your entertainment to be just a way to relax. And a game like Tears of the Kingdom, I think, challenges you. You know, mm. I think it, it, it's, it forces you to think creatively, to problem solve. Um, and that's why sometimes I like story-driven games, because for me, it's, I want to be told a story. I want to be entertained. Um, and I think a sandbox game, by definition, you, you become the storyteller. You know, like yeah. I could tell you my story about how I came up with a solution to get across a sky island by building a gigantic log bridge. Or you could tell me how you solve the far temple by climbing up on the walls. It becomes your story. You're the storyteller now. And there is brilliance in that. But I think for my entertainment, you know, I kind of want to sometimes sit back in my chair and just kind of like enjoy an experience, you know, after yeah. a hard day of work and, and, and all of the complexities that adult life gives. I think had I been... 15, 16 years old playing Tears of the Kingdom, I think I might have a completely different assessment of it. You know, if I have a whole summer vacation, two months to just Tears of the Kingdom all day, every day for two months, you know, like I think I think we'd be having a different conversation. Yeah, I think it also depends on what point in your life you're at as well. Totally. Like in terms of time, right? I don't yeah. have the time like I used to. I had yeah. to set aside so much time just to play it yeah yeah over yeah, such a totally. long period because yeah so anyone who's young enjoy the time while you have it because you won't have it when you're oh, older yeah you gotta pick it i have not i have not played diablo 4 i've not played street fighter 6 i have not played uh jedi uh survivor yet you know like i guess like I said i'm just starting final fantasy 16 and so far it seems pretty awesome but i'm only like an hour into it so but there's so many games and, and that's not even counting all the amazing indie games that are coming out all the time you know so yeah. yeah, it's a mm. it's a hey, it's a good problem to have, but you know, so yeah, good way to sum up. Um, before you, we wrap up though, uh, Project Saturn, which is what you're working on at the moment with Fuzzy Bot. What's what's yeah. happening with that? So yeah, we're we're um we're well into the project. We're we're um, doing some really exciting things. If you go to uh, our website, uh, fuzzybot.com, you could sign up to be part of our our Discord community. And we do regular play tests with the, with the community so you could try the game early, um, give us some feedback, be part of the community, see some awesome artwork that we're sharing from the game. Um, you know, we have a, a, you know, people creating memes based on our characters. It's, I'm really excited about this game. I think it's going to be something really special. And 
everyone on the team at Fuzzy Bot is just firing on all cylinders. It's kind of, for me, it's a, it's unprecedented. You know, I've been working in the game industry for over 20 years now, and I've been part of some truly exceptional teams in my, in my career. I've been blessed, you know, to work with world-class artists and designers. But I think what we're doing at Fuzzy Bot is, it's up there for me, is, is one of my proudest experiences working in games. Um, so, so yeah, so if you, you know, listeners are so inclined to, to go check it out, um, I'd be eternally grateful. And if not, you know, stay tuned when we uh, do a formal announce at some point, maybe then, you know, that'll, that'll strike your interest and you'll, you'll come check us out. So 2024 release, maybe, I think, I think we're still up in the air, but I mean, hopefully because yeah, <laughs> yeah. we've been working on it a while, but, but, but we'll, we'll see when, when we get our ducks in a row, um, officially um with an official announcement for the but for the time being i'll just say tba <laughs> smart so, safe, yeah. <laughs> safe answer <laughs> yeah yeah right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah cool all right well that is the show everyone make sure you share like and subscribe uh join the discord server over at um fuzzy bot and until next time stay safe